Hey, welcome, 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 welcome. It is, um, oh, it's a long-awaited return of Stefan and Friends. It has been a minute. I would like to apologize to, I mean, pretty much everybody here. Uh, I'm sorry. It has been, it has been an interesting, uh, an interesting season of life. And so we have been, we have been away we have been retooling and just trying to figure out what this podcast can be, what it looks like. Um, and so that is one of the reasons why we have been sort of off for a while, honestly, life and things. And we'll get into some of that um, as we go. But I'm excited to be back. We're in that uh, pre-Christmas season. And so I know as leaders, as pastors, some of y'all... Uh, you're planning like eight services between now and and Christmas Eve. Um, so I recognize the busyness of this season. And so I'm excited, happy to have you tune in. I want to give you a bit of a preview of what we're doing. We're going to we're going to have some conversations this season. We're going to go back to, you know, actually talking to people or we're going to try to talk to people. Uh, we're also going to, you know, embark on some solo solo missions um, as well. We're going to do that as well. That's a part of it. But also, just going to be painstakingly honest with you. We're going to do what we do, which is share, you know, I don't even like calling them hot takes. Because if you've listened to me over for a while now, you know that when I say something that's quote-unquote a hot take, it's really not that hot. It's really just truth that people don't like to hear. Uh, I'm, you know... If you're a wrestling fan, CM Punk is back. I apparently carry a lot of the same CM Punk energy. And so uh, I just say the truth, like it, hate it, whatnot. And I, I, don't, I don't know why we're afraid to do that. Um, and I don't say it out of maliciousness. I say it out of a, a, hopefully a grace thing. So we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna be in that space this season, and I'm looking forward to it. Listen, today, first time ever... We've got my friend Elise Brower. I'm excited. We record this back a bit, and so I'm happy to uh, finally take the wraps off of this conversation and let you hear it. We are we're here, Stefan and friends, and we are here with the first friend, first conversation. Uh, my friend representing the west coast of this great nation, uh, this great God-protected nation, Canada, uh, Elise Brower. Uh, she is a superstar, friend of the show, friend of mine. I'm excited to have her here because now it's no longer a one-way conversation. We can actually have a two-way conversation. And Elise, you need to know that people are listening. Even people we don't think are listening are listening. That I'm could, just giving you the warning. I know that I'm, I'm saying so as the first friend, which is an honor, by the way, um, yes. I feel like maybe you're just hoping to get yourself in less trouble by sharing your trouble with me. Fair. Uh, yeah, I am. I am. I'm not going to lie. I need, I need people who, who can help me look better. Oh, uh, I don't know that I'm going to be able to help you make, make you look better. I've been listening and you sound pretty good, but I, uh, thank you. I'm thank worried you. about getting in trouble because um, maybe, maybe the two of us together is uh, we'll, we'll get each other in trouble. And, and- this is why the Lord has led you and Christian out west and keep Jamie and I here in the eastern part of this uh, this country. Or I don't even know if Ontario is eastern. It's more like 
It's I Eastern. Yeah, I guess it, yeah, it's Eastern. Eastern. Um, that's why the Lord has kept us here. Because if we were in like the same province <laughs> and the same district, there might be some problems. <laughs> good um, problems. And well, it'd be good for us. I just don't know <laughs> if some of the powers that be would enjoy that. No, probably um, not. Especially the way that I tweet. Although, in my own defense, I feel like I've gotten uh, better over the last few months, and I don't tweet as much. I just post ridiculous things on Instagram, and now that gets me in trouble instead. Honestly, I never really, like, I I was always surprised at the things, and maybe you can relate to this, I was always surprised at the things that people took as being, like, contentious or being, right. like, troublemaking. Yeah. I was always surprised at that. And and so there were times when I remember you would tell me, oh, like, I get in trouble for this or or whatever. And I'm like, uh, I just, I, like, I, I, I get, when you told me that, I remember just thinking to myself, okay, well, I'm surprised because um, it's not, <laughs> and maybe it's just the circles we run in, but I'm like, that seems pretty tame. <laughs> like I, yeah, I don't know. I, I think the things that people pick on, are in, in in my opinion humble opinion a bit ridiculous mm-hmm. and i think that you know they they make mountains out of like the smallest thing mm-hmm. and the thing that they should be making mountains out of they out of they just don't oh yeah and it and then and that's what sort of gets me like flabbergasted frustrated like mm-hmm. so this is a problem but this over here isn't yeah okay yeah and i i don't know and you know uh but to that point because we're we're we're, we're leaders talking about leadership things and i know that there are a lot of people especially in this country we are missing some of these conversations and so this is my attempt to have some of these conversations uh because i feel like we don't have these tough conversations and people I think the next generation of of leaders of people are looking for these conversations to be had Mm -hmm. and we're sort of not having them. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that um, that's been a conversation more so in the, um, in the Southern United States with the SBA Southern Baptist convention or yeah, SBC Mm -hmm. is the topic of women in leadership. And I'm fascinated by the conversation because at least here in our circles, for the most part, we have affirmed women in leadership uh, on paper anyway. Yeah. Um, But I just, I, I'm kind of not frustrated. I just, I wonder in your eyes, where do you see that conversation today in our circles? Well, I mean, oh, I mean, I think you're you're exactly right. Like it's 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 really encouraging on a lot of levels because it's been affirmed on paper. We probably have more women in ministry now than we did, you know, even 20 years ago. Um, and in a lot of respects, we've we've made a lot of progress as uh, as a fellowship, which is, I think, an amazing thing. 
where it starts to get a little challenging is, is it still feels like there's a glass ceiling. It just see, feels like it's moved up a little bit higher, right? Um, mm. And so, you know, I, I think, and this is probably the issue whenever you want to, you know, change course with a big ship is you have a, you have all the right intentions, um, but there's so much to do to actually make the system welcoming and, and affirming. Um, and so many mindsets that do need to change that you can't really change overnight, um, that it is a lot of work. And the temptation often is that when we affirm it, or we start to see some progress, we think we've done our job, things are more open now than ever, we can stop here. And the reality is, is that's not the case, right? Um, right. I mean, I think about our situation. And I think, you know, like, as when I was, I remember wrestling with this when I was 20, 28. So like four years ago, and Christian and I, Christian, my husband, for anybody who doesn't know, um, we were talking about, okay, what, what's it going to look like for us to start a family? Um, but at the same time, you know, I have this I feel this call to, I still feel this call to ministry, very strongly called to ministry and leadership. Um, you know, and, and at the same time, my district superintendent was saying, oh, like, you know, are you looking for churches, um, a church to be a lead pastor at? And I'm going, well, what's what's the maternity leave policy for for a lead pastor look like? And, uh, and, and Nobody's it, figured that out you yet. know, and, and then um, you know, and now that we've adopted, it's kind of like, yeah, like parental leave, maternity leave, all this kind of stuff like that, that women have to think about, um, not just women, men have to think about this too. That's true. And honestly, that's a different conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's hard for a lot of churches to even imagine what it would look like to have a lead pastor who is a woman who needs to go on maternity leave or to take, you know, six weeks leave for whatever yeah. reason. Right. Um, and you know, this is where then the powers that be would say, Hey, churches are autonomous. They can set their own policies. They can do this. Um, but I do think it's our responsibility as a fellowship to model well, what it would look like to really take away those barriers for women in leadership. And that's just one big example. And and I, I almost see that a lot because I remember when, when I was asking these questions, I was like, who do I talk to about this? Because, some of my role models and the people I actually who mentored me, they had started ministry or got into those positions after they, you right. know, were finished having children. They had children young, they, you know, and then they kind of had finished that journey. Like by the time they were in those positions, the other thing was some of them didn't have children and they were like, Oh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know? So like, I think it's going to get better, but those are the kind of questions we have to look at. And I think that speaks to the importance of having, women at the tables to bring those sorts of issues and those sorts of challenges up because so often and and I'm not targeting anyone or targeting anything but so often the you know committees and the round tables that we have to talk about these sorts of practical challenge like to work through these sorts of you know issues a lot of these decisions are made by men um right. older men who were you know, a lot of time, a lot of times, and I'm going to be careful how I say this, older men whose <laughs> wives were more available than wives or spouses would be today um, to do the majority of, ch- of you know, caring for their children and doing a lot of the home, you know, the home 
side of things. Um, and so that, and that's, it presents a challenge because there's a bit of a lack of awareness there sometimes of how much yeah. actually needs to get done and, and what the challenges really are. So um, I think it boils down to decision-making and then just awareness of some of these practical challenges, dealing with some of these practical barriers now um, in order to actually make it so that women can be in ministry and then continue going in ministry. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I find the, um, it's also the discipleship part uh, that I think I had a conversation with someone and lamented the fact that discipleship isn't where it should be. And, and so when we talk about our committees and our, you know, tables, how many people that sit at those tables and sit in those committees even believe what we as a fellowship have affirmed already. Mm-hmm. And I wonder how much of that goes into decision-making mm-hmm. because I've heard people say certain things and I say, but you're on a, you're on a committee. And so you've, you've already decided that you're going to wipe out potential people yeah. because of a belief that I'm not here to say it's, you know, I'm not the authority on, on theology. However, based on what I read in scripture, the the belief isn't the belief that women can't serve in leadership isn't isn't right. Yeah. Uh like you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I I wonder like I even wonder if we need to as a fellowship, as a body start saying to people if you can't affirm or believe this you can't be on you shouldn't be on boards you shouldn't be on committees yeah because we we need to take it more seriously mm-hmm. no otherwise I, I agree. in 25 years yeah there's a potential we have, have no female leaders right like mm-hmm. i'm i'm being a, maybe i'm being a bit extremist on that but i think if if there's an issue if there's a problem let's solve it let's let's do it the best way we can and i get that everybody's got their own power mm-hmm. but if we're not going to hold to a belief together mm-hmm. and if we're not teaching our people in our churches then are we really do we do do we really care about this mm-hmm. and are we really willing to push forward and and show the world what like true equality looks like Mm -hmm. Uh, because you know the world has their own ideas but as believers and as leaders we we need to be leading the way in some of these conversations Mm -hmm. equality gender equality is one of them um racial stuff you know we've as we've we've talked about before like we should be showing showing the world how it's done right and Mm -hmm. the, the the freedom and the connection and the relation and all these things are found in Christ, mm-hmm. not in just like, hey, we're doing this to feel better and look what we've done. And, you know, yeah. I make fun of the prime minister a lot. I'm not like a hardcore conservative, but, you know, when he an- announced that half his cabinet was going to be women and he, mm-hmm. he just said, you know, because it's 2015 and like, hey, look at me, pat myself on the back. Mm-hmm. That's not why we're doing it. We're doing it because God created us in his image, male and female, he created them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we look through the New Testament and we see that there are women leading mm-hmm. in okay. churches that, and, you know, even Deborah in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. 
and so what where is the disconnect and i wonder how many people are really discipled well enough to look at these things and be like oh you know what no that's that's biblical mm-hmm. that there can be women in leadership and there should be Mm-hmm. because they bring a, a listen ladies bring a different a different viewpoint on different things yeah that sure. is actually helpful yeah to to a body yeah and i i don't know i just find people like they just they run away from the conversation at times and they say no this is it yeah. this is what i believe and whatever and you're like but are you sure i don't know i don't want to yeah. call anybody heretic no, but it, you're right. I mean, I think that's the reality is sometimes we hit a point where we think we've we've read enough, we've done enough. And, you know, um, the reality is, is that the Bible should always be challenging us and how we think and how we um, and and our biases and our prejudices. Um, there are always mm-hmm. things I'm discovering when I read the Bible that challenges, you know, something like that. I've held for a while or maybe just for a short while or something that I'm feeling in the moment or whatever, right? Like I think that when you lose that ability to go, what is scripture challenging me with today? It starts to lead you to a place of complacency where you go, oh, like, you know, well, I know what I already think. And you go into the Bible. That's when you go into the Bible and you're reading things into the Bible that aren't actually there, right? Um, I think... And you're right, that's a discipleship issue. I think that, you know, and along with that, I think is, you're right, like women bring something different to the table. So do men, like men bring something different to the table. Um, And we have to be really conscious of how we see certain qualities and how and how we perceive leadership. Like, I think it also speaks to what we think leadership is or should look Mm -hmm. like, right? Because if we really put certain characteristics on a pedestal um or you know like if we put certain um certain personality traits on a on a pedestal um even certain gifts on a pedestal right like i mean now we're moving into a different issue um Uh it leads to a certain kind of person always being you know the people that get platformed and the people that get put on committees and the people who get you know placed in positions of higher leadership with more influence and it becomes this domino effect right where you like then you have the same people same kind of people speaking to um the issues that are going to affect a broad number of people um right and i think and i you know and i know that there's all these like i don't want to spend i don't want to harp on this too much but the reality is is there are things that I can say, and probably you can say too, Stefan, that, or Stefan, sorry. Um, there are things that you can say, or I can, that I can say that my husband, Christian, who's six foot two Dutch guy, um, that he could say, the, he could say the exact same thing. And people will take it completely different from him than they will from me. Um, right. Just by virtue of who we are and the perceptions of, what men should be like and what women should be like and the perceptions of, you know, like yeah. what certain personality traits, whether they're, they're positive in men or positive in women. Um, and I've noticed that. And I said that to, to Christians so many times. Um, but there, and I, I'm sure you've noticed this too, where it's like someone could literally say the same thing you are, but just because of who they are um, and not that we need yes. to, you know, touch on this. This will get me in trouble, but maybe who their parents are, um, it won't, it won't get oh, them in trouble, goodness. right? <laughs> I'm gonna get in trouble. That's gonna get us in trouble. I'm kidding. Sorry. There is, 
there is no trouble. There, nobody gets in trouble. This is all, everybody understands we're having just a great conversation. Yeah. And people know we are joking. Oh, yes. Nobody's getting in trouble. <laughs> I just have to put that disclaimer out there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. But I, and I, and I think that that is something, honestly, I don't know if that'll ever change. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm unfortunately, like, I, I, I see it, experienced it. And you're like, okay, I have hope. I have hope mm -hmm. things are going to change. But how will they change if we just keep repeating the same cycle? Mm -hmm. If it's the same people getting in and the same people. And I feel bad for, because I have friends of mine who, who have name, who have last names and who, and <laughs> they listen to me. But when I'm talking about these things, I'm not actually talking about them because they're yeah. like, they're awesome and they've never they've like not on purpose used who they are or who their parents mm -hmm. are on like to do stuff mm -hmm. it's and and someone explained to me there's also that weight of having to carry around the name and stuff yeah. and i understand that too mm -hmm. uh, but it's the people there are certain people who still operate that way and i think that that is um, that's one of the things that needs to change. Mm -hmm. I just don't know if it will. Well, I think, you know, um, it's, it's important. Like, I mean, and I have the same thing, like, and you know what, technically Christian is a pastor's kid. Like his dad was a church planter. Like people know, there are some people who know who Christian's dad is. And so I kind of, I guess I married into it a little bit. I don't know. Um, but I think, and this is something that I heard talk being talked about in terms of mentoring and working through your own challenges, but I think it applies here too. Like it's, someone said once, it's not your fault, but it is your responsibility, you know? And I think that's, that's a thing um, is it, you didn't choose with what last name you were born or whether or not you were born into a Christian family or, or whatever. Right. Um, but you do, have to decide what you're going to do with the influence or the power that you have. And that applies broadly to a lot of situations, right? It's not yeah. your fault. Um, and even this applies to the the whole issue of women in leadership, not issue, the, the whole conversation is, you know, you may not, you know, for any random leader out there, you may not have directly contributed to women not being able to be in leadership, or maybe you did, I don't know, whatever. And maybe you've changed your mind since, I don't know. But whether or not it's your fault, we as a fellowship have a responsibility. And I think that's the big thing is, is, um, and actually I heard something similar on another podcast. I think it was one of the bonus episodes of the Mars Hill one, where it said, you don't always mm. get to pick the stories you inherit and you, you just kind of, but it is your responsibility to deal with the consequences of it. Right. And I think that applies broadly to a lot of the situations that, that um, aren't where we would like them to be is right you know so yeah maybe it's not directly your fault maybe you didn't put up your hand and say i don't believe women should be a minister maybe you did and you changed your mind but um we're at a place now where it is our responsibility um to work through some of the fallout of the decisions that our ancestors made so yeah. that's where we're at <laughs> that's true okay at least we got like 10 minutes left yeah. <laughs> or you have 10 minutes left. i could talk for i forever. can give you 15 <laughs> <laughs> yes, bonus time. Um, 
talk to the young uh, lady, the young girl who's, you know, feeling the call of God on their life mm -hmm. um, and seeing like, you know, there aren't a lot of, of, and she feels like, listen, the Lord's called her to be a lead pastor one day. Mm -hmm. um, what hope does she have? What hope? A lot of hope. <laughs> Jesus is our hope. We have a lot of hope. I mean, I think um, just be encouraged that there are a lot more women out there um, who have broken down walls and broken down doors and pushed through challenges um, than you or I will ever have to face. There are a lot of women out there who have already done a lot of that work. And our responsibility is just to be faithful and walk through and then when we encounter a new challenge a new roadblock a new whatever is then our responsibility is to break that down for the people that come after us um, but be encouraged that there's actually a lot more people out there than you know um, and there are a lot more people out there who support you than you realize it's not easy and people it's lonely a lot of times it's lonely and people don't always understand um how isolating it can feel to be, especially if you find yourself in rooms where you're the only female or the you're the youngest in the room or you're dealing with people who are challenging. But um, God always makes a way and he'll, he always sees what's going on. And if you really truly feel that calling, like God is always going to be the one fighting for you um, to be where he intends for you to be. And I think that's a comforting thing is like, and also don't feel like you have to prove yourself all the time because yeah. honestly, like, I think that's a real temptation for um, people who feel like they're representing a group that's underrepresented um, in ministry and in leadership. Um, there's a lot of, it's easy to feel a lot of pressure and to let that pressure get to you. Um, don't let it because if it's any consolation, this is consolation to me. Um, the fate of women in ministry does not rise and fall on you. <laughs> True. And, and, it, and as long as you do faithfully what's in front of you, you're going to be okay. And other women are going to be okay because God's looking out for everyone. And God sees each and every single person who, um, who he's called. So, you know, I, I like yeah. taking that pressure off can be really liberating sometimes. Yeah. And, and like I started off, we, as a fellowship, uh, we have affirmed women yeah. in leadership. Yep. And that's not like we're, we're not out here, you know, kicking churches out of the fellowship no. because they have, no, we're, we're, we actually have it on paper yeah. written down hey, we believe that God has appointed and anointed uh, women to lead and are cap they're capable of leading the church. They have this, the gifts to lead and they can do it. And we believe that. And so I believe, I'm with you. I appreciate your words um, because it's it's helpful to us, uh, me as a man, <laughs> to, to, to just have women in leadership to bring a different perspective. Mm things and yeah. i think that that's needed at some of our tables mm -hmm. um so yeah so before you go i'm throwing you a curveball oh, i apologize no. i thought about this literally <laughs> on the drive let's take five minutes okay the hillsong documentary no <laughs> 
Um, <sighs> I, I, I realized I didn't text that to you. Yes. But it hit me on my drive. Now, I'm going to preface this by saying my thoughts on the Hillsong documentary or the one that's on Disney Plus right now. Mm-hmm. I'm of the mindset of like another one. Like there was one that came out when the original stuff with Brian yeah. happened. Um, and I think with Carl, it was all in the same thing. And it was like two years ago. And I was like pretty angry about it. I might have posted, tweeted. I'm at the point now where it's like, wow, okay. We kicked Hillsong when they were down. Why are we, wh- my thought process, why are we kicking them on the way, on their, as they're trying to like, you know, rehab themselves? Right. Now, the only difference with this documentary is that Carl Lentz is in it. Mm-hmm. And that's the fascinating part about this one is that Carl's actually speaking. Mm-hmm. He looks like a hipster. Yes. Uh, well, he's always been kind of hipster, hasn't he? This is true. <laughs> Uh, so that's my thoughts. My thoughts are like, okay, we kicked them when they're down. Do we need to kick them like as they're rehabbing, as they're trying to fix things? Mm-hmm. The Brian Houston stuff, I'm still, I was, I thought that he did everything right before. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought he, like, you know, I didn't know about like sending his dad away and his dad was still preaching. But that stuff, I was like, wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Some of that stuff, you're like, that's gross. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, your thoughts. Oh, um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I swung this on you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would say I, so I didn't watch the first one that came out. I think that one was on discovery. I didn't actually watch that one because I knew it would be, right. it would be kind of hard to watch. And truthfully, like, I know, like I have to be in the right mindset. I watch TV to escape, you know, like, Fair. and, and then Christian and I ended up watching the Disney plus I don't know if it was Disney, but it was on Prime when we watched it with Carl Lentz and and him talking. Right. Um, and there were a couple things that I drew from it that I I thought it really highlighted some of the systemic issues that not just Hillsong, Hillsong suffers, but systemic issues that in general, like the church right. suffers, honestly. Um, and I remember my, um, my friend watching it and me like, honestly, like I experienced some of like some of the stuff that they were talking about in this documentary, she's like, I experienced some of this like manipulation and stuff too. And no one ever said anything about it, which I was like, well, that's a hot take. Um, But it's, but honestly, I watched it and I was kind of like, okay, um, you have to really, you really do have to take it with a grain of salt. Um, But I felt like there was one, I really kind of, I really thought that it was interesting how they highlighted Carl Lentz's take on race Mm -hmm. and, how the church responded to Black Lives Matter. And I thought that was really fascinating, but then felt like it was, there was a lot of talk about it and then not a lot of action about it. And in fact, a lot of the leadership, the teaching, all that stuff was still quite Caucasian. Caucasian centric. I know. I know. (laughs) And I, and I thought to myself, you know what, like that rings true. Cause that's, that's, I believe something that, you know, even our fellowship struggles with still. Right. Um, I, I say even like it's, but it's not really even. It's it's just kind of a fact. But um, <laughs> okay, okay, I'll just move on. Um, and then some of the way I I've always been fascinated by the way that Hillsong's treated women, and I think this is a pattern that's happened in our um, in our congregations also, where pastors' spouses, and typically they are 
pastor spouse, especially in Hillsong, is is a woman, an attractive woman. Let's just put that out there. An attractive woman, um, conventionally attractive woman. Um, I find that it's interesting that they, that women almost, the women almost marry into a position of spiritual leadership, which is right. like nepotism, but on steroids. <laughs> yeah. Um and as and, and honestly as somebody who has gone to Bible college, gotten training, like invested in a degree and did all this stuff, like I could really relate to the one girl who said, you know, I went to college, I went to Hillsong College, I did all this training, I did all this prep, and then I don't know if she outright said this, but she said then it kind of felt like, well, if I'm not married, if I'm not married to a right. pastor, like how am I where do I actually get to exercise that leadership? Um and that I thought was really interesting. And I think I'm still processing how I feel about all that stuff, you know, kind of marrying into position. But I think that is something that an interesting dynamic we do have to address um, somewhere is, yeah, uh, especially alongside this conversation of women in leadership. At what point, like if we're saying, hey, like, you know, we want women to be in leadership, that's great. But at what point do we say, okay, well, if women are we're going to allow women to be women, pastors and we want women to be pastors. We want qualified, trained, you know, right. like qualified and trained and credentialed women to actually be our leaders. Right. Um, and I'm not saying that pastors spouses can't minister. I, I believe that the opposite, actually, I think there's a lot of pastors spouses out there who should get credentials and who should get training and who should get like, you know, a certificate or a diploma or what I think they should, because there are, yeah. you know, um, but I think that's an interesting dynamic that we, uh, that is, that we need to talk about. And then, you know, Carl Lentz, Brian Houston, all that. I mean, I did not, I'll say this. I did not have a lot of sympathy for Carl Lentz <laughs> in the beginning I still don't necessarily have a ton like and and that I'm just saying that because you know as from from a female perspective knowing how how long the effects of um even everything everything, everything all that stuff like knowing how long the effects of a damaged reputation and coming forward knowing how long it takes to repair from all that and maybe you know and heal and maybe you never ever repair and you're you know and your life is just changed forever I, like I just I I I feel like there's this pattern of men who are powerful getting let off from the consequences of their actions yeah. and I I'm not saying that people have to pay forever for their actions but I do wonder, and I wonder this for our own fellowship, like when stuff like that happens, how much do we actually require in the restoration process? Like how much do we actually require um, and how much do we actually care for victims and um, and prioritize their well-being, um, you know? So that's, that's, that's the question. I think the question is, do we care for victims? Yes. Do we care for victims? Do we care? Uh, and I... I personally, I don't know because I've I've never been through the restoration process. Yeah, and I don't plan on ever going. No, neither do I. I'm like, no, it's not what I want. <laughs> um, I just I don't I don't know. I would hope that we do. Mm -hmm. I would hope that 
as we're trying to you know figure some stuff out that that well, that's being spoken about in the rooms where conversations are happening mm-hmm. um i like i think carl went through an embarrassing period mm-hmm. to go from being friends with justin bieber to like disappearing off the face of the earth mm-hmm. and having to deal with that sort of publicly yeah. and that's part of the the like the negative side of being a celebrity pastor is you know mm-hmm. especially in america where you're loved when you're on top yeah. but when you fall you are going to be talked about in the news cycles mm-hmm. that's why i don't ever want to be really famous yeah i'm i'm good with being known in like our circles yeah yeah uh, but well, like i was gonna say that's as good i was i was thinking this i'm like i would be a terrible like terrible pastor at one of those churches like i would just i would hate i would hate it and i would make i would make everyone angry because i talk about how much i hate anyway and like even the money the amount of money that was going around there oh it just all feels so like you know yeah the amount of money is going around uh, yeah i was although hey we could have a conversation about honorariums uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding part two um, i you know we'll have to do that part two uh, but you know this has been at least this has been fun yeah um i was gonna ask you a rapid fire question uh, go i've for taken it. up i have two minutes okay, fine. you have two minutes uh let me pick one of the easiest one um who's your favorite credential holder from the east no i'm just kidding um <laughs> your what is your one book you could recommend oh. anybody to any leader one book okay one book one book okay honestly i just it's not a ministry book i just really i enjoyed it it was called crying in h mart (laughs) i read it because it's about um a female like growing up with and it was half korean half caucasian and all that i i just really enjoyed it if you're looking for a non-ministry read i just i really enjoyed that book and I got it from the Regent College Library, so I feel like it kind of counts. Um, but sure. honestly, one book. Uh, oh, that's hard. I'm looking at my bookshelves right now, trying to decide. That's really difficult. Um, I thought this was going to be an easy one. I think an N.T. Wright book. <laughs> honestly, Ooh, that's always good. Yeah, like I feel like that's a solid choice. I, I really like N.T. Wright. He really, I think, I keep, ah, what was it called? It was one of his three, like, there was a series, After You Believe, and then, you know, a couple other ones. I can't remember what they were, but that series was really formational for me in Bible college, um, and I really, really enjoyed it. It shaped a lot of how I thought. So I think those books, one of those books, at least, from N.T. Wright is easy to read. It's easy to digest, and it condenses a lot of his, Yeah. you know. He kind does a good job stuff. of making things easy to understand. Yeah. I also just think yeah. I, I appreciate people who write well, and he's a good writer. Mm-hmm. Like, he puts things really beautifully, I find, and memorably. I appreciate when people can do that and make it not dry and boring and, you know, yeah, hard to read. So, yeah. It's cool. Yeah. Thanks, Elise. Thanks, Thanks for Stephane. this conversation. Yes. Look, I don't think – we didn't mention any names. Uh, <laughs> and I, I – I try to avoid that so that we're not people aren't co-signing something yeah if that they don't want to mm-hmm. um but there are a lot of cool people in the fellowship yeah. you're one of them Aww. so i'm glad my twitter fingers led me to meeting you i haven't met christian yet but oh. his opinions on instagram 
let me know he's a cool dude. He's pretty cool. I think he's okay. <laughs> That's, yeah. Well, I hope you think he's okay, at least. Uh, but I'm glad that yeah. for our friendship. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to uh, meeting meeting your family. Yeah. No, and honestly, like, we have loved getting to know you over the last couple of years, too. It's been awesome. And um, I'm thankful for our group chats and... <laughs> Our group chats. Our group chats and for, uh, yeah, just for the fact, you're right, that Twitter fingers led to this. So <laughs> it wasn't yes. a problem for me. <laughs> uh, and you know what? People who had a problem with it. Yeah, whatever. it's fine. I'm a millennial. I'm sorry. I make mistakes. Uh, I have so many things I could say. I won't say it. <laughs> Don't say it. Don't this say has it. been uh, Stefana Friends. Thanks for joining us. She's Elise Brower. You can find her or maybe not find her on social media. If you find her, maybe she'll let you follow her. That's just the way it is. Hey, that was my conversation with my friend Elise Brower. Uh, I hope I hope that blessed you. Uh, conversation with Elise, conversation with a lot of people, uh, they're always tremendous. Trust me on that. Listen, I know you're probably thinking, yo, what happened to this man's audio? Why is the audio so flimsy? We're working out some of the kinks. We're getting back to that high-level audio that you know of. But in the meantime, um, while we're getting that stuff sorted out, do me a favor, like, share, subscribe. Do those three things. Uh, if you have ideas, send them to me. If you're going to be a... Listen, listen, listen. I know bare people listen. Right? I know you're listening out there. But I'm looking for some hot... I'm looking for some good conversations. And so if you know somebody or if you are that somebody... Hit me up. Let's uh, let's do some stuff and and let's see what we can make work. Hey, this has been Stefan and friends once again. Thanks to my friend Elise Brower for making a special guest appearance. I'm gonna hit you guys up. I'm gonna see you guys next week. Also, hey, do me a favor. My Substack. I do write, and a lot of the times my writing is a little bit different than my than my my speaking. I'm more reflective in writing sometimes. Um, so check that out as well. Uh, Substack, you can find it. All right, I'm done. I'm out. Appreciate you guys. Have a great one. Be blessed.